So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. I'm Nate Larkin here with my good friend David Hampton. Hey, David. Hey, Nate. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, I saw some spiffy pictures of you. Um, I remember what you look like now <laughs> <laughs> on the internet. You had some yeah. great new um, headshots done, and uh, kudos on uh, looking so good, too, by the way. Well, I'll tell you what. I, a good photographer is a true magician. <laughs> my, my son, David Bean, is one of the top photographers in Nashville. And yeah. he was kind enough to, give, to do my new publicity shots. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of I went a little Steve Jobs on it there a little bit. I was trying yeah. trying for that look. And it was very cool, and I thought, damn, if David can um, really spin this thing with Nate, I got to get a hold of him too. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what I really look like. Yeah. <laughs> no, you really do look good. It was I was very impressed with the pictures and with yeah. your health and fitness and. Your commitment is paying yeah, off. Yeah, so. yeah, well, yeah. Well, I took off thirty pounds, and that did that definitely helped. That well, definitely it's helped. it shows, but it's great. You look great, and and it was good to see your face for a, for a time. So thanks, man. Yeah, I'm going to be so glad when this COVID thing is over, and oh. I can. Yeah, yeah. I I I need people. I need people. I, I watched a music video the other night, and all these people standing out there singing, you know, with the artists. Yeah. And I was like, God, you know, people used to do that. That, yeah. that almost seems like the old days or something. I, but I, interesting that you bring that up. I'm listening to a book right now. I used to read books. Now I listen to books. Mm -hmm. And then if they're really good on audio, then I buy the print so I have it to refer to. Yeah. Uh, listening to a book called Quiet. And it's about introverts and, and extroverts. Introversion, extroversion. Yeah. Uh, when I took the Myers-Briggs years ago, I came in as an ENFP. So that first letter E stands for extroversion. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that I am actually an extrovert. I think maybe I answered the questions the way an extrovert were, uh, would. Mm -hmm. uh, I may be more what the book refers to as an ambivert, somebody who can kind of go either way depending on the social situation. Oh, wow. But, but however... It, uh, yeah, so I can I can be friendly and open and work a room, and I, I am comfortable with people. But I tend to leave parties early. Mm -hmm. uh, a really crowded room drives me crazy. I'd rather you know I, I'm going to go toward the edges. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, I can gain energy from a crowd, but I'm going to recharge really 
when I'm alone and I do need some alone time. Yeah. Um, and I do remember that discovering, I don't know, was this your experience as well? I do remember uh, the effect that alcohol had when I was in college. It did seem to lower my inhibitions and it made me a little bolder to break into the social circle that I felt excluded from because mm-hmm. I was not a party kid. I didn't know how to party. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that I was, you know, it made me a better guest. I think I was more prone to saying stupid things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm laughing because yes, I'm, I'm relating to that. Uh, the more comfortable I got, the more I should have stayed home probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I sometimes cringe at the you know the memory. I don't you know I've never, uh, you know, I've never been one to drink to the point of blackout. And I remember, unfortunately, I remember everything that I say when I'm drinking. <laughs> well, and sometimes we'll cringe the next morning, going, "Did yeah. you really? Yeah. Did you say that? Did you talk that long? Did you tell that many stories? You know, did you miss that many social cues?" Uh, yeah, no, I get that. I, I'm I'm an introvert, and I, there's not much of a question about it. I have extroverted gifts, and yeah. so um, if I go speak or like you know all this, I mean, if I go speak or you know, I grew up performing with music and things like that, and um, people would meet me and think I was going to just be on, and yeah. I was probably like a major disappointment because I didn't have a lot to say. Um, and I was very uncomfortable. And, and when I quit drinking, that was one of the hard things was because I would go to events and, um, I just didn't really want to be there very much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for sure, I relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, so the question is, it's interesting, uh, Annie Grace in her book, This Naked Mind, uh, challenges the idea that alcohol, uh, you know, makes us happy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it makes the point, you know, if alcohol made us happy, then alcoholics should be the happiest people on earth. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, or that it necessarily makes us more social. Uh, perhaps alcohol does not help us to connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, merely creates an illusion of connection that turns out not to be true in the light of day. Right. Um, so, and when you're not drinking and you're in a, and in a situation where everyone is, oh. um, you know, that's a, that's a little like, you know, leaving that's your a revelation, isn't it? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like going to a nudist camp and leaving your robe on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Just to watch the quality of the conversation decline, uh, you know, as, as, Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and then think, man, I have been that person. I certainly have been that person. So, uh, so what are the options if we're gonna, if we're not going to drink, but, uh, and if we are going to socialize, uh, one of the things that uh, I am learning through this book, great book, uh, is kind of like situational extroversion mm-hmm. that, you know, when the mission calls for it, when my personal mission calls for it, 
stepping up and being extroverted. I have the capacity to do that. And that doesn't mean that I'm being, uh, you know, that I'm lying or posing or being disingenuous. I'm just accessing a part of me that's not natural in order to uh, advance what is my, you know, uh, my own desire for, you know, for life mission. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what are my, what are my options? What are my non-alcoholic options in social settings? Right. Well, that's a great question because today our guest is actually going to speak to that. All right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly that question. Okay. Listeners, hang on. You're going to want to, uh, you're, you're want to, you're going to want to get in on this conversation. We'll be back in a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And David, once again, you have gone far afield this time, all the way to the Big Apple to find us a great guest. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Marcos Salazar is joining us. And Marcos is the uh, founder and I would guess CEO uh, is how you um, identify your role, Marcos, as a be social change. And he's got some interesting things going on in New York. And when Marcos and I first started um, communicating about the podcast, um, there was a different social climate. It was pre-COVID. And he had some really cool events planned that suddenly got <laughs> really uh, abruptly changed and challenged. And uh, But now he's coming back with some ways that he's going to be able to approach his, his paradigm. And I want Marcos to tell us a little bit about himself, uh, but also about what Be Social Change is, because this is a great conversation today for people that may not identify in the... Um, uh, I am an addict, uh, mode, but they definitely know that there are some things about their relationship to alcohol or a behavior or a substance that is no longer working and wonder if there are some alternatives socially out there that they could explore. So, uh, Marcos, welcome to positive sobriety. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm very excited uh, on this about, about this conversation and really sharing all the options and opportunities for people essentially to live their best life. Uh, yeah, as, as you mentioned, um, I started an organization about seven years ago called Be Social Change. And really, our mission is to help people make their greatest impact through their careers and their lifestyle. So we help people build uh, meaningful and purposeful careers. But I think that other element is lifestyle is how can we make a positive impact on a B level and an individual purposeful level on a social level through who we engage with in community, as well as change, which is a social impact. So we use that be social change framework. And uh, last year, as we were doing, so we host about five to seven events in New York City. Each month, we host about eight to 10 workshops. And last year, probably around August, um, I recognized that my drinking wasn't serving me. Um, I could give you a little bit of background of where that fit into my life. Um, yeah. As an entrepreneur, this is the first of many businesses, be social change of many businesses that I um, launched and started. And I went, there was a period for about three years before last year where I was using alcohol to relax. I would 
use it to um, at the end of the day to go to a, a restaurant or a bar or cafe and I'd have um, a beer to to help me get through another couple hours of work. And what ended up happening was that I was linking uh, a drink to creativity. I was linking a drink to being able to work a little bit harder mm-hmm. and took a step back and recognized that it wasn't really serving me well on multiple levels. The first was that it was affecting my sleep so bad. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, I was waking up pretty tired, um, not always necessarily hungover, but but sometimes that was the case. And then my productivity the next day was bad. Um, and then what happened was, is I was in a wonderful relationship and was, was hanging out with my fiance as well as friends and recognized that I wasn't fully present. I was, uh, wasn't being super mindful and wasn't fully present. And obviously alcohol numbs that aspect of um, your cognitive abilities and recognize I had to Reevaluate my reevaluate my relationship with alcohol. So around August of last year, I am the type of person at a party that will. I love making drinks for people. I love making cocktails. I'm a host by my nature and by what I do for work. Uh-huh. And I'm the type of person that goes into a refrigerator and cabinet and raids it and tries to make different types of concoctions, not alcoholic, non alcoholic drinks. Um, so when I decided to stop drinking, I was looking for other alternatives and recognized that there weren't, at least in the United States, that many. I didn't know exactly which ones were good or not. Um, and there wasn't really a community or place to really find out more information about good non-alcoholic beverages. There's obviously the O'Douls and others that are out there, but those aren't really kind of tasty. So mm-hmm. what I ended up doing is I ended up going and just buying tons of stuff that what was on the market on Amazon and what I had what I had found, and recognized that seventy five percent were not very good. A lot of them didn't taste good. Some of them were very expensive flavored water, and I knew that there needed to be a central place for people from all different walks of life, whether they're in recovery, whether they've been sober for a long time, sober curious, or just people just. Re, uh, reevaluating their relationship with alcohol for health reasons, a central place for people to find out this information. And so an outgrowth of Be Social Change is a new social impact company I launched um, a few months ago called For All Drinks. And For All Drinks is really about helping people discover delicious non-alcoholic drinks for leading a fun healthy and inclusive lifestyle. And when I think about that fun element, the fun is that when people don't don't drink or stop drinking they feel like fun is thrown out the window or they can't go out um because they're not going to have fun we have such a link between alcohol and fun and it's ironic because we celebrate some of our most cherished and fun moments with a depressant Um, so so there's that there's that fun piece and then there's a healthy piece i think everybody on the spectrum who doesn't want to drink wants to not drink to be more healthy uh we all know we can talk about the negative impacts of alcohol but it definitely has such a negative impact on your health but i think there's this inclusive piece as well um at our events in For Be Social Change, we'd always offer non-alcoholic uh, beverages as options for people that didn't want to drink. But that certainly is in the case at all events, certainly not at conferences, certainly not at happy hours for work, but also at restaurants and bars. So I really see this non-alcoholic beverage movement, and we can get into more detail about all the different options. I see it like veganism and gluten-free, where I want to make sure that every single restaurant 
every single bar, every single event has those options, just like we have vegan free options. So every feel, everybody feels included and everybody has an interesting and tasty beverage um, when they're engaging. So essentially social drinking for all. Wow. That's- social drinking for all. Oh, I love that phrase. <laughs> yeah. I love that phrase. And to be uh, freed from the tyranny of, you know, just kind of this, you know, alcoholic hegemony. It's as though uh, alcohol, in the popular mind at least, uh, has uh, in so many places just kind of like a hammerlock on sociability. If you're going to go to a party or a reception or whatever, alcohol is a necessary and very often the exclusive option. Yeah. I love the fact that you're challenging that thinking. And yeah. I'm, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead, Marcos. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the core elements, right? Is that um, there? It, it, it didn't. It was much harder, say, five years ago. So when you look at the alcohol beverage uh, kind of trajectory over the past decade, one of the most significant changes was the craft beer revolution. So there was tons of innovation that happened within this space, but for almost a decade and a half or two, there was absolutely no innovation that happened within the non-alcoholic beverage space, especially beer. It was just right. usually O'Doul's and a few others. And then when you would have O'Doul's and you were at a party, it tasted not that great. And people would be like, oh, there must be something really wrong for you to be drinking something that tastes so bad. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's now a lot of entrepreneurs that have recognized that there is this gap in the market and more more than 50%, I don't know, I can't think of the exact statistic, don't necessarily drink regularly throughout the week. So there are now beer companies and breweries and spirit companies that are creating beverages that are just as good, if not better than their counterparts. A lot of beer companies now are innovating where you would not literally be able to tell the difference between a non-alcoholic and an alcoholic beer. So so that um, innovation has allowed for many more options on the market that then allows that stranglehold that alcohol has with fun to be able to be released a little more. And what we want to do with For All Drinks is really support those brands, but also connect and educate consumers so they recognize that there all are these options so that when you're out, you could have a tasty beverage and you don't feel left out. Yeah. Yeah. And Marcos, are there um, are there places opening up that are um, maybe orienting orienting themselves toward um, alcohol free exclusively? Uh, Because the thing I'm asking in relationship to is I have clients that once they get sober, they don't enjoy the what they call the scene. You know, um, the bar scene or the scene where they uh, go to certain places and they just want to, you know, enjoy people and enjoy company, but they don't really want somebody for gin and tonics into the night hitting on them. You know, if somebody hits on them, they want it to be in a clear conscience or something, I guess. But, um, you know, is there a place that is um, beginning to emerge for people that just prefer an alcohol free environment? Yeah, you, that's a great question. And and I think because of this emergence of a lot of options available, there are some of those that are popping up in the United States. So in New York City, where we're at pre-COVID, there were a couple of really great bars, one specifically called Getaway Bar. 
And and you can definitely put this in the show notes. And it was a beautifully designed bar in the middle of Brooklyn where everything under their uh, menu was zero proof. Um, so zero alcohol. And, and, and we mm-hmm. can talk a little bit about the difference between uh, brands that are 0% versus 0.5, but it was a 0% uh, bar. And it was a place where you could order uh, not only really great tasting beers and other kind of single uh, specific beverages, but also really beautifully designed and crafted cocktails that just absolutely blew your mind. Um, so it, I really, really enjoyed the atmosphere. People came in with a lot of intentionality. And I think what was really interesting about engaging in a place like uh, Getaway Bar is a lot of people went by themselves, but people were much more open uh, because you know you came because you have the same values and the same interests. So it was, people were really, really open to talk. So it was just a great place to be. That being said, it was really new. So it wasn't as packed as a lot of other bars. Um, so I think there's this really interesting balance where those are starting to pop up, but there still isn't as much of a density probably in smaller cities where we're, they were able to do that. One of the things we were going to do for For All Drinks is that's a brick and mortar everyday bar. For For All Drinks, we have a, with B, in partnership with Be Social Change, we had a 200 person event space in New York City. So we were going to host For All Drinks pop-up bars and speakeasies a few times a month. We were going to do karaoke. We were going to do panel Mm -hmm. events and weekly opportunities for people to come to be able to taste a lot of non-alcoholic beverages. And we were partnering with really cool brands and then have an event experience that allowed people to socialize and have fun uh, a time without alcohol. That has shifted because of COVID. So now what we're doing with For All Drinks is we're doing a lot of these things virtually. So um, next week, we are partnering with probably the leading brewery, non-alcoholic brewery in the U.S. called Athletic Brewing um, for a virtual happy hour and Q&A with their head brewer next week. So it'll be a happy hour. There'll be facilitated networking online. And then they'll have an opportunity to get a tour of the brewery and ask the top brewer about the about the um, about the beers. But we're also partnering with the leading non-alcoholic uh, winemaker in North America, Hill Street Brewing, for a series of wine tastings. So you order some wines ahead of time. And the great thing about non-alcoholic uh, beverages is they can be shipped, unlike alcohol. Uh, so they ship the wine to you, and then there'll be a wine tasting of dis- uh, and, sh- and discussion about the wines. And then October, we're going to have the first non-alcoholic uh, uh, virtual Oktoberfest, so virtual beer festival, where wow. uh, brand for people can purchase a variety of uh, non-alcoholic beers from brands, get them ahead of time, and then the brewers will be able to talk about those. So it's not as as uh, it's different than the in-person events, but we still want to create that uh, intimacy and and scale. Uh, connections in this virtual space. So so that's what we're doing temporarily before we move back into uh, a post-COVID time where we can bring people together in person. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fascinating. My son, who is a runner, turned me on to athletic brewing. Uh, he discovered their beers a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah, so fantastic. I, I, I was in the Whole Foods a couple of months ago and, you know, cruising the beverage aisle and my eyes were drawn to something called hop tea, which I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Oh, holy smokes. It was fantastic. And I think my 
so, so it's tea, but infused with hops. I think my brain just, I just made an association. It was a wonderful drink. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, and, and next time I went back, they were sold out. Uh, I, I now, you know, make a beeline to that aisle whenever I'm in Whole Foods. Is that, uh, I had never heard of a hop infused tea before. Is that kind of a thing, Marcos? Yeah. And I could kind of give you and, and the audience an overview of what this non-alcoholic beverage space looks like. Okay. So we could take a look at first, there's the beers and athletic brewery. Um, we have another one called Hill Street. That was one of the first uh, craft beers. They're based out of Canada that also produce the wines. Then um, we have one called Groovy that has a variety of beers, as well as the best non-alcoholic Prosecco that I've ever tasted, um, mm. which is great. But they also do beers. And then another one called Wellbeing that really focuses on they infuse electrolytes and they infuse a number of things in there. And there's a number of other breweries. But the thing that I would share about the beer is that you have the Odul's and if Paps that are non-alcoholic versions that are cheaper, and these ones are are more expensive because they are craft beers. They are created just like a regular craft beer, and they have they're all innovating with proprietary ways of of brewing the beer, and it's very very intensive. So that's why the price is a little more, and and people hesitate about that because they assume um, that. Alcohol equals price, and the more alcohol, the more expensive it should be. And that's not the case at all. So you have right. these delicious brew uh, beers that are IPAs that are doing so many different things in the craft space. Then you have some non-alcoholic wines. There, the U.S. is a little far lagging from um, from when it comes to wine. Hill Street and a few others are really good, but there's not a wide variety. Although Hill Street has about seven wines. And they are are my go-to, as well as some Prosecco and some Brut Champagne. Um, So you have the wine um, uh, area. Then you also have spirits. And you have kind of two different types of spirits. (laughs) And and they are distilled just exactly like like an alcoholic spirit. And the spirits are all zero proof. Some the beers can have really? zero proof or 0.5. And there's yes, yes, absolutely. And there's two different kinds of spirits. One would be the first that came onto the scene were ones that were distilled spirits, but don't uh, mimic exactly like a gin or a tequila or those kind of things. They're kind mm-hmm. of a little on their own. Um and, and people got confused because they didn't quite know if they drank it. That was the one that some of them taste like expensive flavored water if you drank it straight but that's not yeah. how they're meant to be they're meant to be mixed into an, into different types of cocktails or serve as a base um mm-hmm. and then the other is there's another company called liars their approach was to take all the top spirits and recreate them in a non-alcoholic version so you can literally make any type of cocktail you want and liars um they're actually one of our partners and sponsors and i can um share a discount code for our uh, afterwards um, but they're our podcast sponsor. But they, uh, my favorite drink was the Negroni, and they make a Negroni that tastes exactly like a Negroni. It's it's kind of unbelievable. They have a um, a couple rums, all non alcoholic, zero percent, and you can make a mojito. You can make a number of other things that taste exactly the same. Um, wow. So those are the spirits, and then I think you're getting into some of the more interesting ones, which is. Um, 
variations or innovations on kind of already existing drinks. So there is hop infused tea from, from hop tea. There's another cool company called H2O hops that does hop infused sparkling water. That's really, Oh yeah, absolutely delicious. They're more on the West coast, um, but they also just came out with a grapefruit hop infused water. And so delicious. They look, they come in beer bottles. So when you're out, you're, you, no one would be able to really tell that difference. And it's got zero calories. So this is kind of the more interesting thing. Yeah. When yeah. you look at the wines as well as the spirits, they tend to have about only one fourth the calories. Right. They oh, wow. are much more healthy than any alcoholic beverages, even independent of the alcohol. They're, they're, they're much low, lower in calories. So you have this range that's starting to grow more and more and more. Um, the one other area is that you have some aperitifs from like kind of Italian uh, type drinks that can be drank by themselves or mixed into other cocktails. Um, so you're, you're getting this wide range that wasn't available two years ago. And again, mm-hmm. part of what we want to do is to provide options, uh, let people know that these options are available for every occasion, whether it's that, whether it's that on purely non-alcoholic bar, whether it's at a restaurant or bar that you want something tasty with your meal or where you're engaging with friends, or if you're going to a barbecue or a um, or a special occasion or personal gathering, you can bring a nice bottle of champagne or a great six pack of beer that tastes delicious and it doesn't have to have alcohol in it. And you can share that with people or you can have that for yourself. So we really want to create that space where people recognize that there are these options for every occasion and they feel included um, everywhere they go. Wow. That is, that is so encouraging to me. I <laughs> as the guy who ends up just ordering, you know, Pellegrino and lime everywhere I go, because that's, totally. you know, what they have. Um, you know, this is, this is great. Now, Marcos, who is your demographic? I mean, typically, like who yeah. seeks you out or who do you target? How do you go about that? Yeah, I, that's that's a great, great question. It's interesting. We just had um, our launch event about three weeks ago, and we had, I mean, it was so fun, and we had about uh, over 1,900 people register. We had close to 1,000 people that attended, and it was great. Athletic uh, Brewery and Hill Street actually sent samples to all register people just so they could get a taste of what how delicious these beverages were. Um, and when wow. you kind of broke it down, um, I would say about 60% of them were women. Um, really, we, we, we really reached out to a wide demographic, people who were in the sober space, sober curious space, but then also in the health and wellness space. But we also had parents and we also had women who were pregnant that really wanted to learn about yeah. this as well. So it's pretty wide. Um, and it's interesting. You We have a lot of younger people that are kind of making sobriety and sober curious cool and making this more of a part of their lifestyle. But we had a lot of older people that haven't been drinking for a long time and were stuck with kind of Odul's and a few other that were yeah. not that great and and just rec- learning that there's all these other different options. So it is pretty varied. I, I think for us, as I mentioned, our one of our foundational values is inclusivity. And we really want to ensure that everybody from all different backgrounds, I think another demographic is people who don't drink for religious reasons as well, Mm -hmm. um, to bring those all 
those people together. So we have a very wide demographic um, in terms in terms of that. And it, it, it's challenging for us. We've had this with Be Social Change, but also with For All Drinks is from a branding and business standpoint, we have to walk a really interesting line because we want to feel inclusive for everybody. Uh, but that's the opposite of a business and marketing where you want to get very niche. So we're, we're having to really balance that out. Uh, but we want everybody to be included in our community. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is... Um... That's that's exciting to me, though. I I, I wonder, um, has anybody talked about uh, with you the um, anything related to how well something tastes and it potentially being a trigger for somebody in recovery? Because I'm I'm this and maybe a different conversation, but I can, no, I, I, can I think hear, that's a great question. You know, my my clients say. I'm afraid to try a non-alcoholic mojito that tastes exactly like a mojito because what if I get triggered. But we know typically it's what happens in the brain that, you know, typically triggers us and that being alcohol free is probably not going to be a trigger, but it might, it might be an emotional trigger. But what would you say to that, that person? Yeah. And and I think one of the things and I I appreciate and I'm so honored and glad that I was able to come onto this podcast because I eventually want to work with a lot of uh, people that are in the sobriety and, and recovery space to really help infuse this. Like long term, people are coming to us for non-alcoholic beverages, but we also want to direct people to the resources that they need on their own particular and unique journey. And 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 part of that is, is like, where does this uh, not, what is a non-alcoholic beverage and the different types fit into your life? And and there is that uh, there's conversations about the sober curious movement and and how that impacts sobriety and people aren't necessarily seeing that as a positive thing. Sometimes people are because it's a pathway for people onto recovery. But in terms of getting back to your specific question, for someone it may be that the actual physicalness of a drink of that type could be a trigger on more a psychological level. And you're totally right. Or going into a bar and even though that they're ordering a non-alcoholic beverage, being surrounded by people in that could be a trigger. So I think it's getting a sense of, is that going to be a trigger for you on that psychological level? From a physiological level, I think you have to think about a couple things. The first one being is that there are some drinks that are purely 0% and then there's those that are point. 5% alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be triggering as well, but then also take into account a ripe banana is 0.8% uh, alcohol. Um, some, <laughs> some bread is, is that. Um, I, I was interviewing the, uh, the CEO of Hill Street, the wine company. It turns out Sprite is, uh, has alcohol in it as well. Uh, more than 0.5. So many of the common beverages, <laughs> yeah, many of the common beverages and foods that we eat actually have more alcohol than some of these drinks. Wow. So so, so this is, I, I think for us, I think what we have to do for those in the recovery space is we, we, we in New York have partnered with a, with a really amazing company, an organization called Big Vision. And they focus in a similar way that you're talking about is the positivity aspect of of being sober and really creating community and opportunities for people to live a positive life um, after recovery and, and supporting their recovery. And, um, and, and for them, they really think about um, people in all sorts of recovery are, are conscious about those triggers. So we work together to make sure that if we partner on events, that it might be purely zero, zero percent um uh, beverages or nothing with CBD or nothing with those. So it just varies depending on the audience. And I think for 
for an individual that you may be uh, working with, I think they have to integrate it into their um, recovery kind of plan and see how they're going to respond. I think with, say, working with someone with you, they may have to test it out. And if it just doesn't work for them or they feel like it triggers, then they remove that from their uh, from their life and they may have to yeah. try something else. Well, do you ever, um, this is a, a kind of a silly question maybe, but if you were having an event with these non-alcoholic beverages, um, do you notice that people do or don't drink four or five or six of them? Ah, that's a very, very good point. Um, they typically do not. It's really interesting. Well, one, there's kind of two things. At one of these restaurants or bars, they're kind of pricey. Uh-huh. Uh, so they're going to be spending like 10 to $12. And if they want to spend 30 to 40 bucks, then that's fine. But that's a preventative measure. When it comes to beer, it's like a normal beer and drinking kind of three or four, people tend to feel just full. And they're not necessarily getting... They're not having that alcoholic reaction from alcohol that's triggering them to drink more and more and more and more, right? Right. So they tend to not necessarily do that. I I think in a lot of the beer drinkers that I've spoken, non-alcoholic beer drinkers that I've spoken to and even part of groups that I'm uh, engaged with, they drink non-alcoholic beer on kind of a regular basis and usually two to three max. There's even been discussions on if I drink 10, do I feel a buzz? And they necessarily don't um, just because it's hard to drink that many feeling beers without getting super full. And within the amount of time you'd have to consume them for that alcohol not to burn off at that low rate, right? So exactly, exactly. So um, so yeah, and I, obviously with like a sp- non-alcoholic spirits, it's easier to get drunk if you're drinking like five shots of vodka, but if you're drinking shots of the non-alcoholic beverage, there's nothing there. So it's not going to, I mean, of a spirit. So so it won't, um, you won't necessarily, I think for me, just personally, I'll have a Negroni that's non-alcoholic and probably two, maybe even three is max just because it's, it it satisfies me. And I don't feel like I'm, there's no trigger for me to want to be drinking more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Marcos, you, you mentioned CBD a little bit ago and that prompted a question in my mind. I do know that yeah, beverage makers, some beverage makers, including soft drink makers, experimented with infusing their drinks with CBD and others with THC. So uh, there's uh, certainly, you probably heard the term, you know, California sober. I'm not drinking alcohol anymore, but I've switched to THC. (laughs) Is that a, uh, is that a, in in your space uh, is uh, how is cbd uh regarded and is thc making its way into those drinks at all yeah i i think there's some really interesting we're in the merging space of separating and categorizing all of this out so you tend to have like non-alcoholic beverages and Typically, I go to beer, wine, and spirits. And then you have this other category that there's some kombucha, there's some H2O hops, there's the hop tea, and they are fitting kind of in that middle. Um, And then there's CBD. So well-being partnered with an organization, with another company to create a a line of sparkling CBD waters. And that's not anything new. There's a lot of those CBD-infused drinks. What is really interesting and what's going to happen is that Hill Street Brewing next year, later this year, early next year, is going to come out with the first line of CBD-infused beer and wine. So they're taking all of their beers and wines and infusing them with CBD in 
but without changing the taste. So they're so they're in the process of figuring wow. that out because they believe in those health benefits of CBD. Uh-huh. So yeah. so and another interesting thing from a business standpoint is now they get to then be sold at dispensaries. So. So the, I, I kind of see CBD in this longer spectrum as like the typical non-alcoholic beverages that are typical alcohol. And then there's this kind of middle ground and then there's more CBD infused waters. We do cover that as an option, um, but we're, we're uh, and it's starting to happen. But I think it, we're just at the beginning stages of that. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, Marcos, if somebody wants to... Um find out more about what you're doing about be social change about uh, for all drinks um, and maybe even bring something like that. Cause I'm sitting here thinking, how would we get something like that in Nashville? Cause Nashville is a known as a drinking town. I mean, I'm not, that's not a newsflash to anybody. No, you're kidding me. Really? <laughs> Surely not at an entertainment Mecca that we would be uh, known as that. How would we go about um, or, you know, are you ready to uh, kind of launch these in other places? How would we go about seeing something like that emerge here in our in our city? Absolutely, and I can kind of give you. Obviously, with COVID, it's changed a little bit. But I can give you a little bit of that trajectory. So, for for all drinks, we have had to focus on virtual events. So, what we're going to be doing over the next foreseeable future year is really growing our community online. And then once we're able to grow that community online, we're going to then start figuring out where are those hubs of people in our community that might have more people. And then we'll probably create micro groups eventually online, but then we'd like to do it in person. I think so much of the magic happens and connection happens in person. So long-term, what we would like to do is be able to create hubs around the U.S. where people can come together once a month, every few months, and we can support them in terms of that organization so that people can sign up, people can come in in kind of individual and member meetups. So we are really kind of focused on that in the future. Um, So to get involved, we can definitely just go to uh, For All Drinks. So foralldrinks.com. You could sign up for our newsletter. We just launched the first podcast focused exclusively on non-alcoholic beverages for you to learn from founders and innovators or thought leaders in the space to learn about what's coming up and what are some of the best um, non-alcoholic beverages. You'll also be able to sign up for some of our events. So we're hosting a virtual happy hour with Athletic Brewing next month. We're doing some virtual wine tastings with Hill Street. We're going to host the first virtual non-alcoholic beer festival, um, an Oktoberfest edition in October. And then in January, we are going to be doing a, a really extensive dry January festival, so campaign. So we are going to, as that time where people are in New Year's resolutions, reevaluating their um, their relationship with alcohol, we're going to host regular events, content. A lot of people in the sobriety and recovery space are going to be there for people who are reevaluating their relationship with alcohol. So we're going to be hosting a lot of things in January. And then maybe next summer, we can start hosting local um, local events as well. So foralldrinks.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at foralldrinks and sign up for one of our events. They're free for now. Um, and it'll just be a great place for people to learn and connect and share about um, the tasting non-alcoholic beverages. Beverages. That's oh, that's yeah. fantastic. That's just great. fantastic. 
Well, Marcos, thank you so very much for taking time to talk with us. This is an exciting conversation, a hopeful conversation. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I feel the winds of social change, and it is a pleasant breeze. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And, and I think just to end it, I, I think our larger mission, yes, is inclusivity, but our larger mission, although our branding is different a little bit for For All Drinks in that we want to welcome people, but long term is we want to decrease the social, the negative social impact that alcohol has on everyone's life, on an individual's life of someone who's in recovery or has had negative experiences, but also on a social because uh, domestic violence is a huge element because of alcohol, mm-hmm. health reasons, it being one of the leading causes of cancer. So if we can have people... Ha, uh, make more intentional or conscious decisions about their drink of choice. Also, by providing options available, the social impact is going to have ripple effects around the world where people can lead their best selves and they can make their greatest impact, uh, both through their career and their lifestyle. So, thank you so much for having uh, me on. And uh, I hope to support all the people in your audience by uh, leading a really healthy uh, and fun and inclusive lifestyle. Well, oh, we man. hope people will take advantage of looking uh, at all your material and looking you guys up because this is really exciting to me. I, I and I love your mission and and the um, the emphasis on um, giving us alternatives to think differently about how we're treating ourselves. So thanks so much, Marcos. All right, listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And Nate, that conversation was uh, encouraging to me on so many levels. A, that someone is believing like I'm hoping that there will be a day (laughs) (laughs) post-COVID where people will engage again with one another like human beings were meant to do. But uh, second and most uh, importantly, that someone is taking seriously the impact that alcohol is having on our culture, whether they particularly identify as alcoholic or substance use disordered or whatever, but they're taking seriously the impact that alcohol has and realizing that there are people that are not comfortable or would like options or even just to be in a restaurant and not be the one that, you know, sits with an Alka-Seltzer all night, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, give me a list of all this stuff you've got there, man. Cause I, I need to just, uh, I, I need to just have something on hand for Christmas that makes me feel a little bit, uh, special, but I, I loved, um, Marco Salazar's approach and, um, reasoning behind, uh, this for all drinks, uh, model that they're, that they're working out. Uh, absolutely. It's just so exciting. And I'm going to, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to register right away on for all drinks and going to get in on one of these virtual events. And I'm going to, I'm going to jump on that train. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. I'm hoping there's, you know, uh, still some free swag that, uh, we would get <laughs> like the, <laughs> the people that, uh, were a part of the other virtual, uh, tastings, but, uh, but he has some really great, uh, some really great points just about, um, even the way that, uh, that the culture experiences alcohol and how, um, 
there might be another way to approach socializing and being together and enjoying people and also enjoying drinks. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and beverages. Yeah, and it would be nice if we can kind of, if if people who choose not to drink can have the same status, the same social status these days as people who choose a vegan option or a gluten-free option. Yeah, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Because I will, it's an interesting thing, especially with folks in early sobriety, when it becomes, uh, when it centers around alcohol, right? I have so many people and I felt this way as well. Um, what will I do when I go to an event, not to look like the guy standing there with a Coke, not that there's yeah, anything right. wrong with the guy standing there with the Coke, but they want to feel like they have something that's a little bit, um, special while the first hour and a half before dinner, Everybody's standing around talking and socializing, and um, and why yeah. couldn't there be something that everybody could enjoy, um, accessible uh, for those of us that are not uh, that are choosing not to drink for all our personal reasons? So, yeah. Well, David, before we say goodbye, uh, remind us of our sponsor, will you? Absolutely. It's time to talk about Try Better Help, H-E-L-P, trybetterhelp.com slash positive sobriety. And if you put the positive sobriety at the end, you get a 10% discount on the first month's services. And Try Better Help is a 24-hour counseling uh, service. It's a licensed uh, therapist that you will get access to it is not a crisis hotline, but you will get access to the same therapist if you like, and you can set those up once you are um, a member. It's affordable. It is something where you don't have to leave home, and you can access this person um, at your convenience and um, begin to explore the areas in your life that need to be uh, tweaked, where we need to be uh, unstuck, as we say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Try Better Help wants you to live a happier, more fulfilling, best self, best life. We have about 5,000, or excuse me, 500,000 people right now taking um, charge of their own mental health. And um, so go to Try Better Help, H-E-L-P, trybetterhelp.com slash positive sobriety. And uh, we will know that um, what we're bringing to you is tracking with you and it'll give you an opportunity to explore these areas in your own mental health and take advantage of the work of a great group of licensed practitioners. All right. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for those who have written already to tell us how COVID has impacted your life and your recovery and the way it uh uh, the insights that it has revealed uh, open to you about your own life and uh, yeah. the purpose of life. So, yeah, you can reach us at positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, maybe sometime, Nate, when we get enough letters and responses, we've gotten some from the COVID piece. Yeah. Um, but when we get enough, maybe we could put an episode together of ways our listeners are coping um, and managing their recovery in um, these really challenging times. Okay, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, I think that's a wrap, David. It's been a, another great conversation. Absolutely. Wish I could hug you, but it's I, good to hear your voice. We'll get there. <laughs> it's okay. great to hear you too, Nate. All right, until next time then, I'm Nate. I'm David. And we're your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. 
The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 